this week on Making Contact. Everybody will win or everybody will lose. We are all in the same boat. We are all in the same mountain. We are all in the same aquifer. The metropolitan area of Greater Mexico City has a population of roughly 21 million people, each with a need for water. But Mexico City is water-stressed, and some residents only have access to running water for a few hours a day. In areas with the most damaged water infrastructure, where residents rely more heavily on water delivery trucks, some families limit their use to 30 to 60 gallons per day. Now, the average American uses anywhere from 80 to 100 gallons of water per day. And not unlike certain parts of California, the Mexican capital is sinking from the depletion of its aquifers. In response, the Mexican government is drilling for water over a mile below ground. In this episode of Making Contact, contributor Maria Dorr looks at one conservation program in Mexico City's water forest. Just go around this corner. We're going first to Guajumulco, which is an Indian community on the Balsas watershed, which faces Cuernavaca. We're riding with Jurgen Hoth of Conservation International, winding on back roads through communities in the mountains some five miles north of Cuernavaca and 40 miles south of Mexico City. dry toilets as a way for people to save water, but also to be able to use the waste as fertilizers. We want to touch base with them and see how it is working, if there are any adjustments, because we want to expand this program to other communities, and this evaluation therefore is very helpful for us to improve the way we deliver a program. My name is Jürgen Hood. I'm the coordinator for the Water Forest Initiative. Without forest, there is no water, and without water, there is no future. Jürgen knows the mountains of central Mexico better than most. When I was two weeks old, my mother took me first to the Desierto de los Leones. We walked through some valleys. Of course, I don't remember, but it was imprinted in me the beauty, the, the love for these forests. Since 2012, Hoth has worked with Conservation International to protect the watersheds of Mexico City, an area recognized as the water forest. The importance of the mountains around Mexico City gained recognition some 12 years ago with a Greenpeace campaign to stop a new highway from cutting through natural and agricultural lands. Over the last five years, I've been coordinating an effort that brings together more than 115 organizations, including government and academia, local producers, to remind them about the importance of the forest and the importance of working together to ensure that this forest is conserved, is well used, and that we stop urbanization from ravaging the area. The rain that falls in the water forest helps recharge the aquifers that provide the majority of water used in Mexico City and surrounding cities. It spans 600,000 acres, about two times the size of the Grand Tetons National Park, and includes around 100 indigenous communities, agricultural fields, forests, and natural grasslands. The water forest is under threat, from urban expansion and poor management. We're headed to rural mountain communities, to forests, and to the capital of Mexico 
to explore how these watersheds are key to empowering marginalized indigenous communities and providing water to 23 million people. Immediately, the, the beneficiaries are uh, indigenous that live in marginalized areas. We want to work with them because at the same time they are the owners of these forests and grasslands. With funding from the Gonzalez Rio Oronte Foundation, a Mexican philanthropy, Hoth has supported actions in the field with communities, including water, sanitation and hygiene projects, such as the dry composting toilets and biodigesters that we're visiting today. We have some questions. What have been the principal changes that you have experienced with the bathroom? It's easier because when the bucket gets filled, we empty it in the garden and grow a plant. It's easier. When we have a party, it's easy to clean everything. The dry composting latrines are concrete outhouses with a metal door. The toilet bowl has two catchment areas, a front drain that catches urine and an opening in the back for solid waste. The urine drains into a large container for fermentation. The solid waste falls into a bucket and after each use you throw a mixture of dirt and ashes over it to help keep it dry. Once the bucket is full, it's emptied into a container on the side of the latrine. After decomposing, the urine and the solid waste are now compost and can safely be used as fertilizer. Here's one way to bring together human health and ecosystem health. It helps to improve health within the family, where, where the feces, where the animals are, the children play there. Then also they have their outhouse, which is not always neither the most hygienic nor the most appropriate. And thirdly, they are using frequently strong chemicals in their crops. In 2012, Conservation International and Partners created the 2012-2013 Strategy for the Conservation of the Water Forest. It outlines a spectrum of sustainable development objectives that spans from working with indigenous communities and ecosystems to urban policy and international collaboration. This? We use these containers to empty the bucket that's inside the latrine, and we empty it here for it to ferment. After a while, we take it out and apply it to the plants. So they have a scarcity of water, and therefore dry toilets are so important. It helps them process the waste appropriately. After a while, usually about six months, that waste has turned into compost. The same happens with urine, that after two or three months, it can be used as a fertilizer. Have there been any problems? None. There's no smell. No problem with the neighbors. Did the family adapt to using it? Yes, quickly. There are four of us. Can we enter the bathroom? We drive between houses in indigenous communities on the southern slopes of the water forest. While most of the community partners have dry latrines, some have larger biodigesters, 
These are long, round, concrete holding tanks where you can divert large amounts of human and animal waste and other organic material. A host of microorganisms help everything break down and decompose, creating methane gas and a liquid compost known as biol. Buenas tardes. Buenas tardes. Good afternoon. Lo que es bueno es el orín. What is good is the fermented urine. What do you do with the fermented urine and the manure? We use it on the cactus, tomatillos, and tomatoes. We use everything from the biodigester. It's better for the plants. That is, if there's a lot of fertilizer. It's better to just use organic fertilizer and no chemicals. Before we started working with the community, we organized several workshops to let them know about waste pollution and how it affects human health and what can be done about it. We also organized later workshops on the different types of systems that are available so that they participated in choosing what system was most appropriate to their houses and their condition. To hold the workshops, get materials, and help build the latrines and biodigesters, Hoth worked with Sarar, a Mexican civil society organization focused on water management and sustainable sanitation for community development throughout Latin America. We organized a workshop for learning how to build these systems, where the idea is that people in the communities know all about self-construction. It's useful on the one hand because if they want to give maintenance to the system, they can do it. At some point, perhaps we even create job opportunities. If somebody else wants a system, they can hire people who took these courses. A family, an indigenous ecotourism center, and a technical high school received biodigesters through this program. At the school, students learn about farming, animal husbandry, and teamwork, alongside typical subjects of math, science, and history. We turn on the pump, it enters in the valve, and the biofertilizer begins to flow. The biofertilization? The biodigester makes fertilizer out of human, hog, and rabbit waste from the school farm. Now, we're going to see the fertilization of strawberries with the viol. We walk towards the greenhouse, where the pumping system is now mixing one part liquid compost known as viol with nine parts rainwater. Bright pink and red strawberries are spread out in rows, filling the large two-dome greenhouse. Some students are reading and waking, and farm managers watering the plants. You can see how the plants are really pretty, healthy, brilliant, and the flavor. Let's find a strawberry before it gets wet, so you can try it. Filiberto Torres Gonzalez, engineer and director of organic production at CBTA 71, the Technological Agricultural High School. It changed the cost of buying fertilizers. Now, we have about 15,000 coffee plants and avocado fields, strawberries, squash, and we fertilize it all with biol. Using compost instead of chemicals means fertilizer is practically free and means less chemical runoff and healthier crops. One of the most popular chemical fertilizers is called tango. Tango is 1,180 pesos per kilo. And the viol that we make here, to produce a liter, it's about 
45 cents. The cost of making biofertilizer is much, much lower. It helps us economically. What we produce lets us generate income for the school. I'm Juan Manuel Cárdenas Gómez, certified public accountant and the principal of CBTA 71 in Tlanepantla, Morelos. Our projects must be productive because economically we depend on them. Also, they must be academic because agricultural technology is the essence of this institution. The money raised from the crops help the school run. And when they grow the tomatoes, squash, strawberries, the students are helping, watching, learning, and their families are seeing the process as well. These students will make the next generation of farmers, business people, and decision makers in these communities. Sometimes we want people to go organic, but we make it more expensive and then maybe the results are the same or with the chemical you see faster results than organic. I have two former students who are already using Veol 100%. They both sell in the Tlayacapan organic market. For me, it's a success. At best, you ask, how many students have been trained? At most, 600. But I feel satisfaction with just two or three, because it's difficult to convince people and to change their mentality. But little by little, we're doing it. Working with these communities is essential to protecting the watersheds. Hoth sees the project as having a triple win. Rural communities have better living conditions and safer crops. Ecosystem health in the watershed improves, and the water that reaches urban residents is cleaner. By doing all of this, we ensure good quality water infiltrating into the aquifers. 23 million people live and depend on the water that these forested mountains produce. Today we're looking at what's being done through the Water Forest Initiative and other civil actions to safeguard the watersheds of Mexico City, the natural systems that provide water to one of the largest metropolises in the world. Efforts to protect the watersheds aren't limited to rural communities. A significant portion of the water forest is still natural. There are 21 protected areas in the region within indigenous territory. Protecting and properly managing these forests and native grasslands is key. It's extremely important to keep the forest that we have, especially in the southwestern part of the Basin of Mexico. This is Dr. Marisa Mazzari. I'm a researcher at the Sustainable Sciences Lab at the Institute of Ecology of the National Autonomous University of Mexico. For the last 26 years, Dr. Mazzari has been at the university researching pollution, organic compounds, and water quality in urban freshwater bodies. We spoke about the importance of these forests in protecting urban water. Important forests help the infiltration of water even though it takes a long time to infiltrate and get to the aquifers. It's the only way we have to recharge the aquifer. One example is like New York that receives water from the mountains. It's a series of dams in a forested area and the treatment is almost natural. Something that we're losing here. We're losing the few areas 
that could really help us have better water quality and amount of water. In places like New York, restoration of the Catskills has improved water quality for New York City residents. Better management like this creates healthier, productive ecosystems and promotes local economies. In the mountains closest to Mexico City, some indigenous communities are interested in protecting their lands through collaborative sustainable forestry and ecotourism projects. A short drive from bustling shopping centers and clogged highways, and we reach the ecological park of San Bernabé Ocotepec, an 840-acre reserve in the mountains above the city. The indigenous community of San Bernabé has been working to preserve their ancestral forests and make them a source of economic gain for the community. In Mexico, most of the national parks are in the hands of indigenous people. These are original settlements that were there before the Spaniards arrived more than 500 years ago. So they have a very close relationship with the forest, and the forest represents a lot more than the value of money. We can still find forests and grasslands here, as opposed to sprawling urban areas, due much in part to the conservation and lower impact use of these lands by communities like San Bernabé Ocotepec. My name is Celia. I'm a guide certified by the Secretary of Tourism. Miss Celia is from San Bernabé and helps lead ecotourism groups in the park. We stand with several other guides overlooking the volcanoes and the southern side of Mexico City, all the way across the valley. We're at the villa in San Bernabé Ecological Park. We're looking at the mountain Ajusco, our neighbors Xochimilco. And we can see the Popocatépetl volcano. There are many trees, birds, and just a while ago, an eagle flew over us. <laughs> These community members defend this project with their life, and they want to pass it on to the future generations. For us, it is very important to conserve green areas and their traditions, uses, and customs. Es un sueño. It's a dream that, thanks to those who are helping us, we want to see realized. My name is Mireya Sanchez Mendoza. I'm a certified guide with the Secretary of Tourism, and I am a member of this community. We have a forest greenhouse in which we are collecting seeds from endemic trees that grow here. We grow saplings, and from these same trees, we are reforesting our forest. Local leaders like Celia and Mireya are striving to maintain and improve waves of life in their communities and on their lands, mixing indigenous knowledge with scientific understanding and the support of civil groups. We are the owners of these 340 hectares. We are the people that have the duty to conserve nature. And it begins with a culture of good behavior with the children, that they can know, share, and realize care for a tree, and why it helps us to protect the tree. It's very important to have this education, this culture, 
They are the holders of an in incredible legacy of knowledge, of experience, of wisdom that needs to be rescued because these are now the elders that are still the carriers of all this wealth of information. And it's a window of opportunity that is closing day by day as the elders pass away. ¿Cómo se podría hacer una comunicación entre las comunidades que son dueñas de esas áreas naturales? Hoth hopes to see city residents and urban actors more invested in protecting and supporting the ecosystems and community stewards they rely on. That relationship has not been very much acknowledged by urban societies and so frequently indigenous communities have been marginalized and they have been dispossessed from the use of the forest. So here is the huge opportunity based on science, on ecological information, to generate a new outlook in that relationship between forest, indigenous people and urban people. Many of the ecosystem and community goals for protecting the watershed of Mexico City cannot be achieved without concerted involvement in the city. The city itself faces a complex water crisis. Water shortages are frequent, in some areas water quality is poor, and more and more people are vying for the same limited resource. Protecting the watersheds and aquifers in Mexico City isn't an issue of convenience for urban stakeholders. It's an urgent necessity and a matter of national security. No water, no city. So here we are racing to the meeting with all these little buses. Here we are close to peak time. We're inside the, the bus. Everybody's squeezing each other. We're in the middle of Mexico City right now, but how far away is the water forest? It's in, in straight line, about 10 kilometers. About half of Hoth's time is spent in the city with urban stakeholders, government officials, and other NGOs. In a way, what I'm doing is bridging those worlds of the rural issues, the natural issues, and the issues here in the city. Hola, ¿qué tal? Ya estamos acá. Gracias. The Water Forest Initiative hopes to see more urban attention and effort put into the protection and valuation of watersheds and aquifers. But a major issue is that people aren't connecting the dots. Few people associate the montane system with water availability. It's a problem of information. This is Dr. Mazari again. All the water that we use in Mexico City is like 70% groundwater from the aquifers. It's an interconnected system of several aquifers. About 28% comes from outside sources, which is the Lerma system and the Kutsamala system. Lerma being wells and the Kutsamala system, rivers and dams. And between 1% and 2% comes from the Magdalena River. Since the late 80s, Mexico City has been getting about 28% of its water from a different watershed, some 110 miles away, to offset use of the aquifers. This system, known as the Kutsumala system, pumps water one kilometer up and over the mountains into the city. It is considered by some to be one of the most expensive waters in the world. People don't know where the water comes from. I wanted to do some informal surveying to see for myself where people think their water comes from. I'm at the Buena Vista metro station here in the middle of Mexico City, and I'm going to ask some people here if they know where their water comes from. Hola, buenas tardes, señorita. ¿Sabes de dónde viene el agua de la Ciudad de México? No, no. No, la verdad no. 
las presas, mi amor. Un lago interior. De los manantiales. Este, no. 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 De Kutsamala. From Kutsamala. Acuíferos, yo creo. From the aquifers. No. ¿Y tu hijo? ¿Él sabe? Does your son know? No, yo creo que tampoco. I don't think it does either. ¿Del Kutsamala? No. ¿No? No, la verdad es que no sé. I don't know. No, ni idea. I have no idea. No, la verdad no. Yo no sé, es muy fácil. 23 million people rely on these aquifers for 70% of their water. That's about a fifth of Mexico's population. And yet many people don't know where their water comes from. Perhaps there's a connection between the lack of understanding and the lack of work to protect the mountains that recharge the aquifers. This system being so close to the city generates an amazing opportunity for people in the cities becoming educated. While people may not know where their water comes from, many feel the stress. Water management in the city is completely unsustainable. There are often water shortages in the city. Restaurants close, you run out of water in the shower, and many communities on the outskirts of the city lack access to good water at all. They have to pay exorbitant rates for bottled water or wait for unreliable water trucks that sometimes only come once every two weeks. People don't receive water all day long. Perhaps one day they get water and two days they don't get water. Mexico City, together with neighboring communities, has a key role to play in the preservation of the water forest. Even though the majority of the water forest is protected natural area, the lands are still being sold and urban expansion continues. Limiting growth in the watersheds and improving urban water use are prime ways these cities can protect their water. I think we have a number of winning conditions on the table. We have only to align them to make it understandable to everybody so that if there is the next offer to buy the next square meter of the water forest, that there are no buyers and there are no sellers. Other solutions alongside preservation of the water forest include decentralized water treatment, urban aquifer recharge, water reuse, and rainwater collection. Using water more consciously would be one of the things that we can do as citizens. The other part is reuse water as much as possible, for example, great water. Another strategy is collecting rainwater. Here is then the, the great opportunity for everybody, or every citizen, to realize how close that relationship is with nature. Yes, we have all the infrastructure, pumping water, cleaning water and so on, but at the end of the day, it's about nature. Preserving the watersheds in Mexico City takes a multidisciplinary team, communities, scientists, city officials, governments, and urban residents. Everybody will win or everybody will lose. We are all in the same boat. We are all in the same mountain. We are all in the same aquifer. When we really don't have the water, we will value what we have. The story of water in Mexico City is one that is already being echoed and may be repeated in cities across the world. The World Health Organization reports that by 2025, half of the world's population will be living in water-stressed areas. The gap between the demand for water and the supply of water is expected to grow, creating a 40% water deficit by 2030. Climate change is only expected to exasperate these impacts. Protecting the natural systems that provide us with fresh water is all the more essential. This is one of our last opportunities to make that connection. 
and develop a common concept of the importance of nature. Protect the watershed and the communities that live there, and you protect the water. Protect the water, and you protect us all. I'm Maria Dorr, reporting from Mexico City. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to Jürgen Hoth and Conservation International Mexico, Dr. Marissa Mazzari, community members of Cuajamulco and Nepopualco, Filberto Torres Gonzalez and Juan Manuel Cardenas Gomez of CBTA 71, Celia Sanchez Gonzalez and Mireya Sanchez Mendoza of the San Bernabe Ocotepec Ecological Park, Ana Paula and Maria Jose Masi Aleman for translations, Monica Lopez and the rest of the Making Contact team, Lara Rebolloso for the Horacho music, with other music by Mon Placer and Radio Horacho and Zin and Zin Frino That'll do it for this episode. I'm Monica Lopez. Thanks for listening to Making Contact. <laughs>